How's it going, everyone? My name is John Russos, and this is the Here's My Thing podcast. No, it's, it's not like Rogan, but like it's, it, yes, it is a podcast, yeah. Here's a piece. Florida just set the record for new daily COVID-19 cases with 15,000. And what better way to celebrate breaking a record than to open up Disney World? Look, some people are in need of a bit of a morale boost right now, so why not go to the happiest place on earth? Sure. The only problem is that, unless there are invisible masks, you won't be able to see anyone smile. Better that than being in front of the TV all day, right? That's a point. But is Disney World the answer? No. And it's even less of the answer considering that it's in Orlando in the middle of July. Waiting in line for It's a Small World was never fun, but to do so with blistered shoulders and sweaty shorts, all in the high, humid mid-90s? No thank you. And what makes the timing for Disney World's reopening even worse is that the president finally decided to wear a mask in public. Oh, maybe this corona thing's serious. Well, while some are thinking that, others are acting on it. Genesis 2 Church of Health and Healing from, and, and wait for it, Florida have been selling thousands their miracle mineral solution out of their garage to cure the coronavirus. Mineral solution. I wonder if it's San Pellegrino, maybe with lemon? Wait, no, they're, they're Italian. This has to be made in the U.S. Perrier? You know, they're French. Avia? No, they're French too. Damn hydro flasks and their tap water tendencies. The Grennan family who run the operation sold over $500,000 worth of this toxic bleach solution. And what's even crazier than that is that people actually think the immunity to the coronavirus is coming out of a garage in South Florida. And actually, what's even more wild than that is that the father, Mark, named his sons, his three accomplices, Jonathan, Joseph, and Jordan. Three J names is fine, but three J-O names, that's where I draw the line. Where'd they even get this idea that bleach might actually help stop this? What, what claims that? It's not like there's some person in power who insinuated that it might actually be effective, right? Now for chapter two. Everyone, this week's reading, this week's story is about the city of Elkwood and the pandemic that they actually faced. And if you're wondering about Elkwood, like if, you've, if you're thinking to yourself, I've never heard of Elkwood. I wonder what happened. Well, it's because I, I made it up. This is all made up. And the Elkwood, the city Elkwood, I run with that. I, I, in high school, I feel like if I like made a Snapchat and made a series of Snapchats and was improving, I would use the town Elkwood. And I think the influence from that was from the show Arthur, KPBS Arthur. So, or PBS Kids, excuse me. Um, yeah, but enjoy. Here we go. Elkwood City Council met on Tuesday and Thursday nights. Tuesdays, they saw to push around and hopefully conclude matters that didn't bring people out of their seats. It matters like whether or not this year's Soapbox Festival should start at 10 or 11 a.m. And if it was time for the Elkwood High School mascot, Christopher Cougar, to have a revamped uniform. They saw its overalls outdated. Tuesdays were an excuse for people to ignore their cholesterol levels and eat as much of the catered round table pizza as they could. Don't worry about me, sweetheart. I'll, I'll grab a bite at the meeting, as some of the community officials might say. Their partner would ask if there will be vegetables at the meeting, but these community officials would be far out the door. Thursdays were when they got their tools hot. More demanding matters that meant the round table would go cold from their mouths occupied with rebuttals and contradicting arguments. It was a flip of the switch from Tuesday, 
There were less handshakes and far less laughs, if any at all. I'd taken a volunteer position as a part of a workplace funnel program for those pursuing careers in political science. Along with setting up the catered food and briefings for each official, I was the backup ECR, which quite literally translates to Elkwood Code Reader. Assuming Heidi Jennings was sick or, or couldn't find a sitter for her kids, I would step up to the podium and recite the following to kick off the meeting. More than just a place of acorns, apricots, and apples, but visionaries, leaders, and public servants all the same. Elkwood, 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 I say, here today and tomorrow. I only needed to volunteer for three months, after which I'd have enough credits and could move on. It's something that the other students of my cohort chose to exercise, but I, on the other hand, enjoyed it beyond these free meals on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And my one-year anniversary was this past week. In the extra nine months that I'd been there, responsibility-wise, nothing changed, but I couldn't say the same in terms of the experience and exposure. In December, the Daniel River flooded, damaging everything west of Morston and Brockter Avenue. The council was at each other's throats for four Thursdays in a row, deciding where and how the flood's relief money was going to go. The biggest problem there was that there was no relief fund at all. It was never set up, which came into question from surrounding cities of Steel Ridge and Oakmore. When we presented our case in need of a loan or some sort of bailout, we were met with condescending retorts. And why was there no flood relief fund in place for the town that lives on the river? Said a councilman from Steel Ridge, which is so Steel Ridge of him. Jealous of everything Elkwood does. Sure, our negligence put our city millions of dollars in debt. But at least we live on a river. One where we can transport cargo or set up both clothed and nude beaches. The only fun thing you could do in Steel Ridge was go to their one-screen theater, which is quirky, and I get that. But we have an AMC-8 in Elkwood, all in IMAX. Sometimes it's the small things, stuff everyday citizens overlook that cause the biggest commotions at the community rec center, which is where we have our meetings. In February, the council came to blows over a respacing of parking lots. It wasn't a divide down the middle, which was interesting. There were eight different suggestions of different size spots. So it was more of an all-out brawl. The ones in cartoons where smoke shoots up and you'll catch appendages poking out before targeting someone's nose or midsection. And hear snide comments over some grunts. Why don't we just label every spot as compact, huh? It was met with a few more inches and we'd be better off gifting garage door openers. Once the smoke cleared, council was dismissed. At the next Thursday meeting, someone provided an infographic on every single car logged in Elkwood and how these measurements corresponded with the current parking spaces. It turned out no adjustments were needed. The most recent predicament was a pink eye outbreak. The Elkwood outbreak was first reported at Elkwood Middle in a world history class. Mrs. Williams was going over the Mongolian Empire when Dylan Borges checked out to the nurse's office with what he described as white syrup coming from his eye. By Friday that week, half the school was infected. This was enough to bypass a Tuesday meeting and be addressed right on Thursday. Jesus, they're already having sex, Councilman Gent said. Does Planned Parenthood have an age limit? And which clinic are they going to? Is there one in Oakmore? Councilman Gent, said Councilman Krause, what do you think conjunctivitis is? Councilman Gent slid deeper into his chair. Councilman Krause took over. Pink eye happens all the time, but for whatever reason, it's spreading like wildfire this year. Elkwood Middle is out for a week and all sources are pointed towards the closure of Elkwood Primary and High. She looked at me. Lights, please. 
Councilman Krauss pulled up a PowerPoint presentation. The cover slide was an eye that looked over-edited to be hot pink and had kanji spewing at the sides. The first slide was a pie chart showing how Elkwood's youth spend their time based on categories of sleep, school, recreation, homework, and devices. Councilman Stevens, one of the older members, spoke up. This chart is illegitimate. There are only 24 hours in the day, but when you add each of the categories up, it's a 30-hour day. Kraus, before you come into this room, please provide us with reliable sources. Councilman Kraus parried his jab and laughed. <laughs> Councilman Stevens, you don't get it. The reason there's eight hours of device time is because Elkwood's youth is on their phone for eight hours during the day. Stevens came back. Impossible. They aren't allowed to be on their phones during school. Phone usage is actually prohibited. He over-enunciated prohibited. And during rec time, they can't be on their devices. Their hands will be preoccupied with other things, a, a ball or a saxophone. Are you telling me they sleep and send text messages? He laughed and looked around for support from the other members. Councilman, they're always on their phone in school. You can't catch them. Hmm. Well, how does this correlate to the conjunctivitis outbreak? Councilman Stevens wondered. We have reason to believe that there's a lack of sanitary conduct with the students' phones during bathroom usage. I mean, look at you now, Councilman. Your hands on your face, you've rubbed your eye and you had no idea. If people touch their phones when they're in there, it only makes sense that that's what started it. I mean, this all has been waiting to blow up. All it took was one big case. Councilman Gint sat up and asked, Well, I'm not on my phone in the bathroom. How do we know they are? Councilman, with all due respect, said Councilman Krauss, you read AARP. Of course you're not on your phone. The meeting politicked for a little. They, they were talking about the apps that the kids use nowadays. They thought the surge of TikTok might have had something to do with the increased screen time and with that, the outbreak. Councilman Krauss stepped up to say that if they don't get on top of this soon, the entire town could see some sort of mass lockdown. This was met with a unanimous question of the potential mortality rate. If she wasn't ready for that, well, if untreated, I'm sure there's legitimate concerns with vision and, and maybe death. But at the end of the day, she paused. It's just pretty beat. It's just gr it's gross. We don't want that. The council mumbled. What is beat? Is that ugly? It's gross. But it would be kind of cool to look high all the time. I propose we start the no-phone-if-you-gotta-go initiative. It didn't rhyme, but she was in the hot seat. We'll take a similar approach to the one on cigarettes. Met with some reluctance, but that was expected. The initiative was put into action, and with the movement forward, there was hope. But that hope quickly went away. Elkwood High School reported 70% contamination only a few Thursdays later, along with reports from households taking a hit too. By April, gyms, pools, arcades... The AMC-8 all closed down. Traveling to Steel Ridge, not that anyone would want to even go there, and Oakmore was restricted and to be addressed on a weekly basis. This wave of precaution was originally met with eye rolls instead of actual outrage. Councilman Krauss figured a chunk of people would follow along, and others not so much, but that alone would be enough to curb the spike in cases. It was after Elkwood's Golden Crest Senior Care Facility reported an outbreak Councilman Krauss came with conviction to that Thursday's meeting. Half of the room was full, while the other half had to call in from Zoom because of infection or an infection in their household. Not a month prior, Krauss had a tasteful pie chart, which most of her peers saw as a testament to her ability to build an aesthetic and not be on the forefront of a citywide infection. Her message was more clear this time. Absolutely no phones went on the toilet.
With this, all businesses besides those that were pegged to be essential temporarily shut down. Grocery stores required checks before entry. Citizens would get their eyes looked at, and if they were clean, they'd be able to walk in after squeezing into a pair of latex gloves and a face shield that doubled as a beach ball and one that they got to take home with them after shopping. If a citizen was infected, they'd have to slip into a hazmat suit before entering, and then they'd leave with their food and prescription-grade eye drops. The people of Elkwood are docile for the most part, but after what was first a suggestion and not using their phone in the bathroom became a demand, their demeanor changed. People started claiming their rights were being violated because it was strongly proposed that they be mindful of when they touch their face and not to shit with their phone. Instagram was a collage of people taking selfies on the toilet while others shared their personal case of pink eye, taking the meaning of social media being toxic into new levels. Opportunists started to strike bottling random fluids, whatever they had excess of, water, Dr. Pepper, mule spit, and claimed they had a cure, the pink eye immunity. People ended up paying $50 for a three-ounce vial of what was called magic-y eye drops. The name lacked creativity, but didn't need it. The Elkwood community became desperate. By the summer solstice, 95% of Elkwood had some case of pink eye. It varied in severity, but it was contagious all the same. The city grew hyper-conscientious of doorknobs and handrails. The council members had tried all forms of propaganda and creative marketing to deter people from being so attached to their phones. I even manned the city TikTok account, which ended up backfiring as a lot of the videos were filmed in the rec bathroom. We were teetering on a crisis when Mayor Fennell finally showed face. In a time where leadership was needed most, he'd been relatively silent. All of Elkwood's closed cable stations were on the council channel. I was in charge of running the live stream on Periscope. One person tuned in, I think was Mayaya. Mayor Fennell took to the podium at 10.30 a.m. on June 23rd in a blindfold. It was a black kerchief he folded over a couple times. He didn't address why he was wearing one, so I figured he was taking an interpretive approach or just had candy pink eyes. Mayor Fennell provided an interesting angle, saying, I just installed a TV into my bathroom and my partner changed the channels from outside the door if I need it. I don't miss my phone at all. He broke off into a tangent on how he's given the Bravo Network a chance. He added that the channel alone is enough of a reason to, and I quote, retire the device, it's only suffice. One wonders if he was freestyling at that point. After 45 minutes, he ended his speech with the town code. I imagine our city members tuning in with him, mouthing along. Elkwood, I say, here today and tomorrow. He spoke at entire blocks, which added weight to what felt like an extremely long journal entry. A point could have been made that he was only doing this to save some sort of face for the upcoming election, that this was more performative than it was genuine. Whatever the reason, it worked. There was a few proud citizens who made it through the Elkwood pink eye pandemic without getting infected. The total case rate topped 96%, but fell below 5% by Labor Day. Things were back to normal at the city council meetings, and we once again had more time to address rudimentary issues and eat average pizza. Everyone, my name is John Russos, and this has been another installment of the Here's My Thing podcast. Thank you for rocking with me. Until next time.